and I always kind of found it amusing. And if you um, if you're in the claim side of things and you haven't already, I encourage people to check out the annual survey survey on claims process uh, from JD Powers. And um, it's really about claim satisfaction. Mm. Um, and it, there's always so, so many cool takeaways. It, it was traced back to somewhat the communication. So you have more people, yeah. you're getting more of this movement. And that's what happens um, the more people that you yeah. bring into the scenario. Who has that? <laughs> you are about to enter the Diojo Podcast Zone. A nerd alert. Okay, guys, now let's match pitch. Uh, so this is a podcast uh, for the skilled trades, by the skilled trades, of the skilled trades, brought to you by <laughs> the the um, penultimate, that's with a P, uh, manual on the mindset and habits. It's right there in the subtitle, Mindset and Habits for uh, Success with Estimating. This applies if i may to actually we got a really nice compliment um i was on the blue collar nation with um eric the tech whisperer sprague and larry pineapple man wilberton it was my second time first time i've been asked back on a podcast <laughs> they've requested me once before this is the first podcast to request me to come back so that's 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 a milestone um, but, uh, they, they said, um, their former owners of a restoration company called Shamrock Restoration that they successfully built and sold. Um, and they talk about their morningtechmeeting.com, which helps train owners. It's a system you can, um, give to your people. It's daily lessons that help them with soft skills that increase their ability to provide service to your customers and um, elevate value and those kinds of things. And uh, <clears throat> so they said ha if, if they were in the biz, this would be required reading for their estimators. Be Intentional Estimating by John Isaacson, The Intentional Restorer. So pretty cool. Uh, that was a really nice, really nice compliment. Fun conversation. Check out Blue Collar Nation podcast. And um and give those guys a listen. So again, skilled trade, blue collar, um, just a great job of uh, getting people that have been there and done that. Because we're all working towards the Diojo podcast is all about helping you shorten your dang learning curve. So, excuse me. Um, and in that, uh, you know, how this network of people that are um, trying to help others, Lisa Lavender, the Lisa Lavender, is our guest today and before i get to her introduction we did she invited me um, so in restoration and remediation magazine the premier magazine for the property restoration insurance services um 
she has a monthly column called Restoring Success. I believe it's the first Friday of every month. And so in mine, the intentional restorer is the second Friday of every month. So she invited me to collaborate with her. She read the book. There's a section in the book, The Intentional Estimating Shameless Book, about uh, scope creep. Yeah, he, he's a creepy one. I mean, that guy's creepy. He's first team All-American creepy. Um, and how, you know, estimates lead to um, setting a project on the right or the wrong foot and scope creep. Um, if you've got a lackluster estimate, it just starts that process right from the beginning, right? It's hard to put a good materials list, uh, production plan together when you've got a crappy estimate. And so she invited me to collaborate with her. The article is called Nothing is Scarier Than Scope Creep. And that's Restoring Success Meets the Intentional Restore. It's a collaboration. John Isaacson and Lisa Lavender. Um, so just some really good insights from her as an owner, trainer. They also have a technical institute, Restoration Technical Institute. In addition to their um, restoration company, full-service restoration company, Burke's Fire and Water. Um, and so we kind of wove in the Halloween theme, the creepy, the nightmare um, talked about three different, you know, kind of the, the tech level, the estimator slash project manager level, and then the owner manager level. Um, and so, and kind of run through that. So, um, and she brings up a really good point that her hairdresser, um, you know, shared with her about emotional discounts and the way sometimes as professionals, we give these like discounts, we give away stuff that probably shouldn't and maybe doesn't create the value that we think it creates so really really good stuff um, and really uh, we elaborate some on that in this uh, discussion so um, but Lisa Lavender so let's read her LinkedIn bio she is currently the VP of operations design for iRestore restoration software she's been doing that for three years um, she started she talks about that in the in the um, discussion here about how uh, she reached out to them and started helping them with some um, changes and adaptations um, and, and then that evolved into joining the team. Um, she's Chief Operating Officer for Restoration Technical Institute. They've been running that down in Reading, uh, Reading Pennsylvania for over eight years now. Um, so she oversees that um, and, and built that up and we talk a lot in this conversation about you know, the remote learning and, and adapting. And so, and then uh, Chief Operating Officer of Burke's Fire and Water Restorations, 20 plus years. So, and they built that from the ground up, her and her husband. And, um, and, and we talk about that in the discussion too. So if she's not busy enough, she's got the, uh, the restoration business, the um, training center, and working with the software and writing rest, restoring success every month for uh, <laughs> restoration and remediation magazine. So she truly is a restoration professional, educator, and passionate about serving others. You will definitely catch her passion. So let's get to it. The Diojo podcast, the infotainment podcast for the skilled trades, um, you know, brought to you by Be Intentional Estimating, written by John Isaacson. Go ahead and get yourself a copy. And if you want, uh, if you want to purchase bulk, uh, reach out to us directly through the Diojo.com about bulk order discounts. Boom, Christmas, let's go. So let's uh, 
let's start there then. How did you get started? Your uh, segment in Restoration Remediation Magazine is called Restoring Success, right? Yes. So how long have you been uh, writing that segment and how did, how did that get uh, rolling? You know, I believe it's been over six years and it's wow. all kind of a blur at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember, um, it was, I was first connected with um, Michelle's predecessor and I, okay. honestly, yeah, I, Eric, I believe. And I don't even remember how we connected, but we did. And I don't know if you got one of our newsletters and like my writing, I really, it's a blur. Yeah. And so I did my first one and been doing it ever since. So I keep thinking I'm going to run out of topics, yeah, yeah. but then I'm just constantly inspired yeah. by uh, my colleagues and uh, the people I meet through the Restoration Technical Institute. So it's all yeah. good. Yeah. You got a lot of, a lot of um, influences and whatnot and ex exposure, right? To different people. And oh, oh, yeah. Well, what's funny yeah. too is it's things you take for granted, right? Uh, absolutely because that was um i didn't realize i first wrote the 10 commandments of exactimate estimating success or something like that uh -huh. i think i wrote it at the end of 2018 uh -huh. and um michelle sent out the like most popular articles i think it was like number two or something like that like not like not bragging or anything, but it's um, <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. But it, it, it made me, it, and it really, that's not, I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so great. I just, it's like, Oh, there's something there obviously mm -hmm. that, that hits something. Right. And it's yeah. interesting to me because I get people reaching out about, <laughs> I, I in no way ever intended to be framed as like anywhere near an exactimate pro like that's not uh -huh. my thing <laughs> there's a lot of things about me you don't know anything about daddy things you wouldn't understand things you couldn't understand things you shouldn't understand <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what it especially writing the book it made me realize is if you struggle in estimating which we all do mm -hmm. at some level then it, it rolls out into issues for everything else, right? Oh, yeah. So a bad Absolutely. estimate starts a bad project. You're going to struggle to make the customer happy, you know, all those mm -hmm. kinds of things. So, um, but it's funny because a lot of companies reach out and they want Xactimate secrets. And then you start saying, well, actually, I think your issues aren't just Xactimate. It's more structurally altogether, right? Yeah. So, and I Absolutely. know that you're a big proponent of process operations procedures mm -hmm. so yeah. where let's go there the uh, idea in your article is restoring success you're trying to help people learn that how did you get started um with burks uh let's just start there how did you get started with burks well um i before burks firewater as an accountant and okay. um I grew up, my father was an underwriter in the insurance industry and he retired as an executive. So I kind of joke sometimes that instead of, uh, you know, bedtime stories, he read me insurance policies. So insurance was like always part of my life. He was devastated that I wasn't, didn't become an insurance underwriter. Um, so, and then it just so happened I ended up marrying a claims adjuster. Oh, wow. And so um, in the year 2000, me and my husband, he went through a career change and he said he wanted 
to start a restoration company. Wow. And so that was 20 years ago. So I started at the ground level and um, been Jeez. loving, never thought I was going to be a restorer and I love yeah. it. Did your yeah. husband think, um, cause like you meet a lot of adjusters, they think the restorers are all making the money. All the restorers think the adjusters are making the money. Was that his yeah. mindset at the time? Was he thinking, these were so um, no, yeah, no, he was frustrated and saw an opportunity. He was frustrated as an adjuster yeah. because um, that there were so many companies doing different pieces. And when he was trying to settle a claim, everybody was pointing the, their fingers at each other. Yeah. So the idea of it for him was why doesn't one company do everything yeah. and just don't pay them. They're accountable to the customer, you know, whatever they can so that was really kind of the springboard of everything. And so from the get-go, we um, did construction, contents, rest, you know, wow. the whole gamut right out of the gate. Well, so I got started 2002. And I remember I, people telling me, because uh, at that point when we were, so I was with the service master. And at that point okay. in the industry, service master did the majority of the state farm work, right? They were at that uh -huh. time. Yeah. And the, it was in the period of time where adjusters were saying, if you do MIT, you shouldn't do repairs. Yeah. They were really yep. encouraging that, that was separation. Because mm -hmm. uh, the idea was the MIT guys would fluff up the repairs and that kind of thing. So it yeah. was kind of protect. But it quickly became like, for the customers, it didn't make sense. Like, okay, these guys, especially if you had a yeah. good experience, right? I hired these guys to did yeah. the MIT. It was a good experience. They do repairs, but I have to call this other company, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So did you guys start from scratch then? Was Burke's complete? Yeah. Yeah. We were zero ground up. So, wow. um, yeah. And I remember those days and it was kind of funny because, um, I used to, and I think that was some of, before we started Restoration Technical Institute in 2012, we actually started doing a lot of CEs. So my father, for the insurance industry, yep. yeah, continuing ed for the insurance industry. So he would write some um, from his background that were more yeah. insurance. I mean, we're having one, a virtual one, our first virtual C insurance CE, October 9th. And I would write some that were restoration related, but I would always want to tie it into their um, jobs. And some, so, that was actually the birth of our estimatics course was initially so that um, insurance professionals could understand the estimating process because they don't necessarily know that everybody's medium dehumidifier is the same price in that area. They right. think there's this randomness um, or they just don't know. It's not that yeah. they think they're just not, weren't explained. So anyway, um, we went, we were here in that phase when it, the separation and I always kind of found it amusing. And if, you, um, if you're in the claim side of things and you haven't already, I encourage people to check out the annual survey, survey on claims process uh, from J.D. Powers. And um, it's really about claim satisfaction. Mm. Um, and it, there's always so, so many cool takeaways. I think the one oh. year I want to say, maybe it was like 2011, because I used it as an example, but don't quote me on that. Um, that the takeaway was that there was less satisfaction in the claims process when contents were involved. And I bring that up because part of the thought of that satisfaction, of it, we know contents can be emotional, but it, it, was, it, it was traced back to somewhat the communication. So you have more people, yeah. you're getting more of this movement. And that's what happens um, the more 
people that you yeah. bring into the scenario. And I think the school of thought was, well, I know the school of thought was, well, if you do the repairs, you're not going to work hard to minimize the severity or re restore it without those repairs, which having always done that, I used to laugh. And I think you've been, you've done it all too, John. So the margins, I, I actually joke, I'm like, I've always rather known be known as a really good rest restoration company that can dry and save things and contain severity. Yeah. That's always been our approach. Then, um, you know, how much do you make on installing new carpet? Not right. much. I'd rather be good at saving it and, and having that impact. So I think it was just a misunderstanding of, of those pieces of things. Yeah. And um, now we've gone full circle where, you know, we, even through Restoration Technical Institute, we have contractors who are on the construction side learning restoration and, yeah. um, you know, mitigation companies adding construction because now the preference became beginning to end, do the whole thing. And I definitely, it stems back to that communication and customer service for yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think another, um, so when I was in California, we were, uh, we had a, a pretty big, it's now, it was in Ventura, just south of Santa Barbara. And so we had like to the LA border, basically all the way past Santa Barbara. Um, and I think I, I want to say that's like 12 service masters now. It's not, okay. you know, not one territory. So we had distinct divisions. We had, uh, <laughs> when I moved to Oregon, companies would laugh at me because I was, I got hired and started in the mold remediation division. Okay. And I became the assistant manager for the mold remediation division. They're like mold division. Who has that? Because <laughs> the, the scale of it, they didn't have any concept. Like we do mold here and there, but nobody specializes yeah. in that. But it was also post, you know, the recession because uh -huh. I remember in construction leading up to the recession, you even had, you had guys that were uh, professional caulkers, right? Uh -huh. So someone came in framed, put the house wrap on a different team, put the siding on. And then a whole separate team came in and caulked the siding. That was a specialty, you know, <laughs> like, in concrete, you know, your, your flat work guys never did your foundations. And then after the recession, everybody did everything like your yeah. poured concrete, you know, it was just yeah, yeah. what you had to do to, to make money. And the same thing happened in restoration. You know, it was less specialized teams and now, you know, um, yeah, and I can remember even at Belfort, like we would get contents jobs. They seem to come in threes, right? So yeah, you'd get three bios in a bunch. It yeah, it three does contents jobs. You know, these, uh -huh. those kind of I wouldn't say secondary services, but the little more unique packages and so yeah, it, it's I think trainings became a lot harder because you have to train your people to be kind of a jack of all trades. All right, we got the handsome fellas from Morning Tech Meeting and Blue Collar Nation here. Larry, Pineapple Man Wilberton. Got it, man. And Eric, the Tech Whisperer Sprague. Um, so tell me, tell our listeners more about Morning Tech Meeting, right? This is personal and professional development. It's every morning right they they go through this segment and this started because you guys did this in your own business stumbled across it right yeah eric came up with this idea he went to john maxwell training and it was more white collar um training that we we're going to pass on to our technicians 
and it got lost. It, they were, yeah. didn't grasp it. And not it was above or below them or anything like that. It just didn't connect with them. And he came yeah, up yeah. with different les lessons that connected specifically with the technicians, where they came from, and what they were dealing with in the field. And it was very valuable. I mean, the guys just started latching onto these just general concepts of personal development and in-home behavior and upselling that just went like bonfires through the business. I mean, they were so happy to hear these lessons every day and apply them every day that we were just amazed with the progress that the technicians made. That's awesome. Well, yeah, you invest in your people. Uh, you've said it, Larry, you're the marketing wing of uh, then what was Shamrock Restoration, right? Yes. But you have to sell to your people as much as you sell to your clients. So that way, what you're selling to the clients is actually executed, right? You're selling the same package. Yeah, well, our message went yeah. through the technicians to the clients. So I tell the clients something and the technicians were on the same page with the expectations. Right. The reality is for most home service businesses, the majority of your staff are field technicians. You know, yeah. if you have a 30 person organization, probably 20 of those people are field techs. So a lot of your wins and losses in a home service business occur with field technicians. Critical. So to not invest time, energy, and resource into those people is really holding a lot of home services businesses back. Yeah. Well, and that's the, the beauty of what you've done, right? So I'm, I'm, if I'm a business owner, I'm thinking like, well, where, where do I even start trying to put a program together? And that's like, I, I know when I got uh, to training, you know, you're trying to train guys in every, in gals and every different aspect. So the beauty of your program is an owner doesn't have to do it alone, right? Well, morningtechmeeting.com. Get uh, Eric, the tech whisperer, Sprague on your team. And Larry, Pineapple Man, Wilberton. <laughs> if you buy enough memberships, Larry might send you a pineapple. Boom. In the mail, boom. <laughs> uh, <ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to, I mean, you kind of have, I don't know if your team's that way. We had people that specialized in certain areas. They were better than others. In yeah, the, for sure. So they would take the lead, you know, yeah. on those jobs. But um, so... You guys started from scratch very early on. You guys did the CEs for insurance and for yeah. uh, restoration companies. And then, um, so then the technical Institute that started 12 years later, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So you're already pretty much doing it. You just kind of formalized it. Yeah. Well, um, we were doing it, but we actually went, and became an IICRC certified school. So we're yep. an actual school. So then we do, we, and then we ended up building a flood house. So we have yep. a full flood house that, or we keep, we call it the hands-on house or what, because yeah. we do all kinds of um, things in there besides just flooding it. So, you know, we have the water, the ASD, the fire, smoke, and odor. And then we actually, next month, we have basic construction uh, for the restoration professional. And that's when we design because of the gap um, when you're restoring, you don't have that construction background. Yep. Uh, you know, we see that yeah, everyone gets mad. The construction side gets mad because the mitigation team cut the drywall wrong. Well, they nobody taught them how to cut it, and nobody they don't understand how it goes back. And so we do some. It's two days. It's an awesome. It's like I get so excited about it. I wish more people would come to it. That's why we only do it once a year. But um, I think it's that. It was, so we like to build courses where there's gaps that we've identified from 
our observations and feedback to from people who train with us. Yeah. So um, we'll do that. We'll do a lot of uh, hands-on and we're also live streaming it so people will be able to see those demonstrations in our hands-on house. So yeah. we'll be removing doors properly, cutting drywall, drywall, patching toilets, <laughs> all kinds of good stuff. A little of everything. Cut a carpet seam correctly, right? Straight. Exactly. So <laughs> it's kind of evolved and, and uh, you know, part of it was, you know, my husband built, grew up in construction yeah. and, um, you know, I was an accountant. I was not a trades any, I'm a klutz actually. I joke, I'm not, I'm a terrible technician. I can't cut straight or anything. So, um, so, you know, I was very frustrated and overwhelmed early on in our company because we started to grow rapidly uh. and because I didn't know what we, I didn't understand any of it. I didn't, sure. I was never, never exposed to it. And, um, I'll never forget. I walked in my husband's office and, you know, I, he was, wearing all hats as well and I said this is a mess and you know we had uh, we had all these employees and things were muck and I said and I need your help you know I don't know any of this and he looked at me very smugly and said go learn it <laughs> and I was so mad I think I called him a bunch of names on my way back to my <laughs> office and uh, but then I pulled myself together I picked up the phone and I had brought in, who's still a dear friend to this day and has been teaching at RTI now, um, uh, uh, instructor for the water class. And I got totally addicted. Mm. So that was, that, I don't even know when it was. It may have been 2003-ish. Um, and I just didn't stop. I got all my master's. It took me 10 years because with the other responsibilities to get them all. Yep. And I became so passionate about it for what the courses did for myself. But believed in it, in it being important to the success of our entire company and each yeah. individual person. Then, and um, as I got my certifications, you know, I'd kind of go, well, this is good. I would do this this way. Or yeah, yeah. I learned a lot, but I don't think I'd want some of my technician there. So it just yep. kind of, you know, turned into the Restoration Technical Institute. And, yeah. you know, I love it. I love being involved in the training side. I'm trying to free your mind, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. Yeah, well, that's, uh, I, I was grateful. The, the company that I got started with, you, um, you usually worked like six, nine months, even a year before you went and got your certifications. Yeah. I think that's so important because it's almost like a kid out of college, right? If they come out of college, they think, oh, I know it all. Yeah. Whereas if you go and get some field experience, you work with um, people that know what they're doing, and then you go to the course, I think you appreciate it more because you yeah. have some context for it, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and then yours, like you said, the in-house, I think that's invaluable, being able to kind of get your hands on equipment. Yes. And, and, the, and the collaborative part, seeing how other people approach things, you realize not everybody does it the same way and that's okay. Exactly. And that is okay. Absolutely. And uh, that's been one of the fun things is to kind of replicate that virtually now yeah. <laughs> on recording because so we've been having fun doing that. And I th think we've been pretty effective, but that's yeah. where we, we've been under a lot of pressure to, because that's what we've kind of become known for. Cause like we'll have hands on in classes that it's not standard for the curriculum. We integrate yeah. it in everything. And so we were like, our director of education jokes like we spent two years building the best hands-on house anyone's ever seen to close yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So now we're building a virtual house, I guess. But no. Yeah. Well, it's all good because you know there's a. We figured out ways around it for we um, just finished a carpet cleaning class and we have the carpet reinstall class coming up soon. And so what we did for that class, everybody registers. We actually send them a kit, and it has uh, carpet squares, padding, and different things. So there's um, yeah different things that they'll walk through virtually. Yeah. The instructors so yeah so we've worked you know we do like a lot of videos and you know the technology is like amazing that's coming out so yeah i think it will be a couple years people will virtually literally virtually be in yeah. our hands-on house well the the one aspect of virtual that makes a lot of sense is you don't have to you don't have the cost incurred of sending somebody yeah the additional two days Absolutely. of travel right to get there come back yeah. and then plus the lodging and all that and so you yeah. can actually concentrate I mean, that's what virtual school, you know, you realize, well, school instruction is yeah. only about two, three hours of the day. The rest is transition yeah. time. and <laughs> Yeah, it's very efficient. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, but it's all good. You know, it's working out pretty well. Well, we, I think, you know, at the Diojo podcast, so our goal is helping people shorten their dang learning curve, right? And so yeah. if you can learn, I think, People like us that have been at it a while, it's not that we're smarter or better than anybody. It's just we've made all the mistakes. So if we can that's help for you, sure. <laughs> that's help you for learn sure. from our mistakes. So that's great. Your husband said, go learn it. So if there's, yeah. <laughs> if there's young or not even young, but new people coming to restoration um, and, and trying to start a company or maybe they're in a spot where they're like, and I need to kind of get a handle on this thing. They're feeling that same desperation you felt. Yeah. What's, where did you start or what, how would you encourage them? You know, what, it, what do you think are some of the essentials for uh, kind of getting a grip in restoration? Well, you know, I encourage them and I meet them every day, thankfully, yeah. between yeah. Uh, RTI and um, I also am uh, part owner of a software system. So I get to meet new people there and that's where, you know, there's infrastructure put in and workflows. and um, you know, I really encourage, because that was something that frustrated me too, is I kind of share everything and anything, the good and yeah. bad, with everybody who needs it. I, I mean, I really, um, it's a great joy and privilege. I love just doing anything I can to help other restorers succeed. So you want to find and surround yourself with people like that. And the, um, you know, my biggest caution is don't just take one person's <laughs> advice or opinion because I see that all the time and even um, you know our training centers housed within the restoration operation and that was special and deliberate so yeah. that people could walk out and see you know what an organized warehouse looks like or right. we you know we go out and we're like and we made videos for it to replicate it, but what does, how to organize and keep your water truck field ready, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Because it's more than just the technicals in the course, we have to be able to deploy um, effectively and efficiently yeah. um, to, to bring it all together. So my biggest thing is, you know, talk to lots of people with lots of business models. I think you said something to this effect, John, that there were all different shapes. There's so many pathways to success in this yeah. industry. There's not just one. Yep. You know, we built our company based on uh, certain, you know, approaches and different things. It's not the only way. It's not yep. this, the right way. And so that's kind of 
a big piece of advice to people starting out. Like, don't just take what one person um, may pass along to the yeah. bank, you know, become educated and, um, you know, make restoration friends. That was something we were never involved in a franchise. And so um, that was kind of part of the propelling that is special to us about Restoration Technical Institute. And we actually start out every class and doing everything we can to create a collaborative environment where everybody puts their guard down back when me and my husband were taking classes is like, you know, nobody's making eye contact and yeah. we had no restoration friends. Now I have restoration friends all, literally probably all over the world. And it makes me so happy because yeah. they help me, I help them. And, you know, it's just a great way to continue to learn and stay up on what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. Yep. Well, I think like you said, you started taking courses and stuff like that. I've always taught like our team members and then also companies, like regardless of what you're doing, you need to learn how to do it right, right? Like you need to know if you're committed to doing X, yeah. figure out what does it take to do that right. Yeah. And then exactly like you said, the next step is how can we be more efficient? I think a lot of times owners place the wrong emphasis and managers like quick, 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 go, go, go. And that just causes that stress causes people to do things wrong, right? Or take shortcuts or whatnot. Absolutely. As yeah. opposed to, I want you to be efficient. And one of the best examples we always talk about is if you're going into the house, you better have something in your hands. And if yeah, you're going out to the great. truck, you better have a bag of trash or something in your hands. You know, it's just a simple efficiency hack, right? And then if we can figure out ways to do it excellently, like the, to yes. set it apart. And um, I'll, I'll always remember when I was a tech one time, I think I forgot a vacuum or something like that. So I had a little dustpan and a hand broom. <laughs> and I was sweeping my way out of the house. And I remember the, the homeowner was just like, thank you so much for, you know, and I'm thinking like, this is ridiculous. Like <laughs> you're on the floor with a little, yeah. And it, it wasn't ridiculous that I was doing that. It was ridiculous that I forgot my friggin' vacuum, you know, right. and so I couldn't do it properly. And so, but it, 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 it cemented in my mind, like if the first thing you do when you get to a house is you roll up the carpet mask, you know, and, and protect the floors, you're setting yeah. in people's minds, these people care. And if the last thing you do, they see you sweep or vacuum, even if you're not even vacuuming I'm, something. Absolutely. Doing it, yeah, you know? you're like barely getting, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, that'll have to be another article because that's one of my passions is uh, improving efficiencies in the restoration industry. So we'll have to put that on our list, John, <laughs> for in a future collaboration. Okay, done. Uh so across the board, it's like 13 to one, right? They, that have gone some level of Supreme Court or, or higher court um, have, have been primarily in the favor of the uh, carriers. You're given a suspect look. Yeah, nothing's hit the Supreme Court yet. No, no, mm -mm. Okay, this is a Missouri federal court. So, mm -mm. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. Hey, get your facts court, straight, yeah. John. Okay, so let's cut. So, and right now, my at least for me playing at home, my score is four to one. As far as cases have gone to the higher courts within their no, states, right? No, no. Oh, well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never ever make a mistake. So, Damn all, it. Right. all right, let's set, let's set John, John up here. Let's oh, yeah, set oh, yeah. John up.
So, okay, so you, um, okay, I wanted to ask you a question. So you're, you're a financial person, right? Your background is accounting. Yeah. So I've always, I've always taught and believed in order to have a company, you have to have, um, you have to have happy customers, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to be profitable. Like mm-hmm. if you, if yeah. you narrow down what a yeah. business is, yeah. you need happy customers and you need uh, profitability. So, yeah. cause if you're not profitable, <laughs> you're not going to be in business for long. Yeah, exactly. But so often we focus on the profitability part. Mm-hmm. That's the focus, right? That's what a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about. That's what everybody wants to focus on. If you focus on, I believe profitability is a cause, not an effect, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't cause profitability. It's right. all the things that I do. Absolutely. That lead to profitability. So definitely if I focus on making happy customers, yeah, I can find ways to become profitable. Whereas if yeah. I focus on being profitable, I will struggle to make happy customers. And so, but the, and the, the other side of that is your technicians and and even to some degree your estimators and those kinds of things have very little direct impact on profitability other than the efficiencies and the way they follow the processes Mm -hmm. right so if we teach them to focus on making a happy customer and Mm -hmm. like you're talking about in the article is we don't want scope creep but we've got to empower our people to make decisions on the fly and and the one example with the carpet cleaning of the red stain in my mind, it's like, if we're going to do something for free, we still need a work off showing this is the scope of work, the price it would yeah. have been, and yeah. the agreement of what the outcome is, Yeah. but a credit, you know, this is right. a credit. Right, so, Ex- yeah. Because yeah. you have to have it documented, right? So we can, yeah. we want our people making those kinds of decisions, we just want them following the process. So would you yeah. agree, or would you add anything to that as far as like, especially with your financial mind, mm-hmm. right? Um, am I missing anything there thinking that like if you focus on happy customers, I think you have a much better uh, possibility of reaching profitability as opposed to focusing solely on profitability and preaching profitability and trying to right. happy customers. Yeah, no, you got to be careful of that, of uh, preaching what you're you know, and I think um, I actually joke because I kind of talk about metrics people use in profitability and I'm like, I'm an accountant and if I can control myself, you can. And <laughs> I, when I say that is because we have to be careful. Like you have people from one extreme to the other. Sometimes yeah. we're, yep. they're, we're not managing, we're not job costing at all. So we don't even know yep. what we mean a project to the yes. other extreme where we're collecting so much data and metrics um, that we don't even know what we're looking at anymore. And, yeah. and it's unusable to manage and engage people. So, you know, I almost start out every process and procedure that falls in those areas where I say the objectives are very quality service and profitability. So we execute with our standards of quality service. And so it's very similar to what you said. I do include profitability and I do, the thing is that I do believe that everybody has to be engaged with it as appropriate for their level. So Abs- I, I totally agree. Even like when people, I talk marketing stuff with people, I'm like, you know, it's all intertwined. If you don't yeah. do good work, if you don't stand behind what you do, just give everything else up, forget it. So it always, uh, the springboard for everything is quality and service. So I totally a hundred percent. And I believe the team has to feel that and trust that. 
Um, my team knows I rather lose money on a job yeah. than not honor our commitment. So right. I'm, I've never yelled at somebody for tanking a job because we messed something up and fixed it. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Um, unless it's like a careless mistake. You know what right. I mean? Um, right. So been there, been there, I, and I still don't yell. I don't yell. No, but, um, but so, but they do have to be engaged in the appropriate amount of understanding of the yeah. execution of the job from a profitability standpoint. So yes. And scope creep. And we were chatting a little bit before we started uh, the broadcast about um, the estimatics course. I make yeah. field people take it because and I was actually told by a uh, field lead person when I first started having him take it, they said, I love all the training classes I get to go to, but that was actually the most valuable to me yeah. because, and I use the word time speak a lot. So we send the technician, but we should all of it, they can't meet an expectation if we didn't communicate it. Yes. So how long should it take to do that? And it's not to say rush and make a mess or take corners, but you know, even in a set a target, I mean, you know, if you do right in the estimating systems, you can pull those, those components and know exactly how much you've been paid in man hours. If you're doing an emergency for those of us who've been doing it a long time, you know about how many man hours it should take. So it's a target. So yeah, I think it's a combination of those things for sure. I totally agree with that. Well, I think it's valuable too. I'm I'm so surprised how many contractors use Xactimate and don't ever print off a components list, right? And like I, t- I teach everybody that that yeah, I run into. <laughs> I'm such a big yeah. I'm like a huge. I'm huge on that that piece. I totally that, agree. Yeah, and there's I like we should tell the world, John, because that's. <laughs> Well, because I know you like telling the world stuff, so tell them to print off their component sheets. I mean, people will go through hoops to create budgets and all these things. I'm like, that's your budget. Yeah. You know, and like in our article, I, I, cause that's what my team works off of. That's kind of where my golden yeah. rules that are in the article. Cause it's really that simple is you don't pay for the more for a material than you're getting paid. And it's right there in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, or it cues like uh, I just went to get, we're doing, we're pouring some concrete in the backyard and I was building some shelves in the garage. I went to Lowe's and a sheet of OSB was $24. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Holy cow. Last time I was here, it was $9. You yeah. Know, you know, the supply and demand and, um, and that's even prior to the hurricane. So that's going to stress the, yeah, absolutely. So, so looking at your components list and seeing, Oh, insurance gave me $7. Exactly. You know, so that's a legitimate, you know, absolutely. Uh, up, absolutely. Legitimate that, cost you would get back. It's nobody's trying to, you write a supplement for it. And that's kind of the world we're living right now. It's very, um, you know, yeah. the materials and goods and services are fluctuating rapidly. Yeah. Well, and, and for a while there, um, I can remember outside of Home Depot, you know, they're only letting so many people in at a time, you know, so yeah. it's been four hours to get in and get out. You know, <laughs> I just need a bucket of mud, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, I, you know, the components list, having materials, having a rough yeah. materials list, it's not 100% accurate, but it sure is yeah. helpful to set a target absolutely if you have no budgeting it's a great place to start it'll give you your hours right i was talking yeah, to a, a contractor and he's like well on mitigation it takes what it takes right and i said well if you wrote an estimate though and yeah this big demo 
say you had 100 hours and you're going to put five people on there, right? How many days do you have to do that work? Well, right. five people at eight hours is 40 hours. You have two and a half days to do right. that work. And he's like, oh, right. that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's just the tool is, is right it there. Is, it is right there. You're right. Absolutely. And, so, and, and it, it, it may or may not be accurate, but at least gives you a target to start with. That you Absolutely. Start and it kind of goes back, you know, um, back to the estimating process. It's like yeah. if there's deviations, you communicate it and what's yeah. the reason. Yeah. So, you know, we can't just say, well, I pulled my paperwork and it took us 200 hours. Well, why did it take you 200 hours? Yeah. Like we, we, we have document. to understand it's not – it's it's an expectation we would want somebody who's sending us a bill just basic yep like well i thought it was gonna be 100 why is it 200 if they told you why you'd probably pay them so <laughs> well that that was the question um the contractor asked is like well what if it takes us 200 hours and i said well if if you i remember i when i started my own company um we were building this deck and we had bid so many hours in this deck and the guy's name was Benny. He was a rough old farmer contractor. And I was like, man, it took me double the time to build this. I need to probably supplement to the, the customer. And he goes, if it took you twice as long as it should have, that's not <laughs> their fault. <laughs> <laughs> well and, said, Benny. Yeah. No. And that was, that was what I was telling that contractor. I was like, if it took you longer just because your guys are inefficient or unskilled, or maybe this is your first time doing it, that's not the adjuster's fault. Exactly. Client's right. cost. Yeah. But if you open the wall, they had accounted for a double layer and you find another layer or some complexity or there's Correct. a layer yeah. flooring, those are legitimate costs. Yeah. So that's where you got to understand what your estimate is for. Yeah. And that's the other part. There's like, only yeah. so much of the siding that was coming off. And I was like, so you need to be very clear on what you're being paid. Absolutely. Not so. Yeah. Well said. I agree. And then so, they, you have to account for variations in proficiency of your team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that yep. just adds another thing in managing it, but it's all part of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, we were, we were strapped for manpower. So we put our contents team on demo, you know, there's going to be, some they're going to take a little longer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You got to give them a little wiggle room, right? <laughs> um, That's right. So you, you mentioned, okay, so if you're not busy enough, right, you're the COO of Burks. You're the COO yep. of Restoration Technical Institute. Yeah. You write monthly for Restoring Success at Restoration yeah. Radiation Magazine. Um, and then, like you said, you're meeting with and consulting and coaching. Um, and then, so you added to that, you've got, you're the VP of Operations Design for iRestore. Software. Yeah. So, what is that? So that's our. It's a frustration software, and I don't actually like uh, coach or consult. I just do it with my iRestore friends and our team. I actually draw the line at that. I'm like, no, 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 because my plate is full, and I do write restoration poetry. I can get to get you sometimes. Oh yeah, I have a good one. I have a bunch of good ones, but I actually just read my documentation poem to our water class, which is. I usually get applause for that one, uh, but you, no, I'm looking. Are you aware of uh, Born to Repair on, um, he's on Facebook and Instagram. You know what? I think I, I haven't like seen stuff. I think he likes us on Instagram. So I think he engages with us. He writes, um, he writes poems about drying equipment. It's pretty. Oh, okay. oh yeah. my gosh. I got to do a collaboration yeah. with him. Yep. That yep. would be awesome. 
Okay, this is a little di bit different. I had a long drive and thinking of like um, a way to process this information into possibly an article. And so I thought maybe I'd flush that out here in video format. But what I was thinking is about the statement, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess common sense isn't so, so common anymore. Well, co common common sense just isn't that common anymore, is it? You you ain't got no common sense, do ya? Hey, pal, you just blowing from Stupid Town? It brought me back to a conversation I was having with Elon Posmonic on episode eight. He's from his company's called Born to Repair. Episode eight of the Diojo podcast, we talk about um, he does remote repair. For drying equipment and what's your most expensive drying equipment and property restoration it's your dehues and so he was talking about how techs don't always strap down their dehues and um i was talking about and, and kind of point counterpoint how well there's times when people skimp on not providing the straps or in the vans we don't have a setup where there's a place to strap them to so, you know, you end up having to get creative. If you've ever been a technician and been in a van, you know, you're trying to stuff dehues against each other so they fall into each other and then you put the air movers around them because your boss is too cheap to buy, you know, a $6 ratchet strap. Yes, and what I also recommend is to assign a person who is in charge of making sure that the equipment is being used correctly and I find that uh, usually the operation manager is like a really busy man and yeah. he doesn't really have time to, to deal with that. But if you have a, a warehouse manager uh, or anybody who stays in the office, just give him the authority to go into the trucks before the people leave at 8.30 in, in the morning, before they leave to the jobs, go into the trucks, Make sure that uh, the right filters are installed. Make sure that the machines are clean before they show up on a job. Make sure that they are tied in correctly, yeah. that they are standing correctly. And also what really helps is to have a person that makes, makes sure that when the uh, machines come back from a job that they are um, uh, downloaded from the truck uh, correctly, that people are not uh, holding the the wire of the um, the blowers, the Here air movers. Yeah. Some people they, and and then I get machines that that you know the wire is uh, is pulled out, but from the inside, so nobody knows why it's not uh, working. <laughs> oh. But you know, it's just uh, it's just a matter of screwing back the wire together. But it's completely uh, preventable. If you send a machine like that to the shop, they'll say, oh, you need a new wire. Right. You know, and, and that's a shame because money is wasted. Well, co com common sense just isn't that common anymore, is it? So, uh, well, yeah, so iRestore is, um, it was actually around before me. I joined the team um, and became partners uh, with the original founder maybe th two, three years ago now. And um, I was 
Berks Fire Water was working off of like a homemade access database for many years. And it got pretty sophisticated, believe it or not, but we were um, dependent on one lady who's retiring. So I was like, this isn't really good for the size we got it to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't cloud based. Like I knew it was, yeah. it was, so I began um, just evaluating what's out there and I stumbled upon iRestore, which we had crossed paths because he was actually a restorer, grew up in a restoration family. There you go but his passion was software de uh, development and writing programs. So, um, you know, I began tweaking it with him to use in my company. And actually, I just started referring people because I believed in it and I felt like yeah. it was intuitive. And at one point, my husband, as a joke, said, for crying out loud, all the work you're doing, we should be partners. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's actually a good idea because <laughs> yeah. I do, I love the operation side and um, that's, gets me really excited and you know there's all these different things with that you can do with that passion or knowledge yeah. or whatever you want to call it and I loved the idea of the software because even at RTI like people are like well what do I use to do all this stuff yeah and you know you can use there's lots of things you can yeah. use there's lots of software you can use there's lots of great software out there um but it really kind of gave me the uh, opportunity to put the operations um into software gotcha. kind of in those processes and you know people then you know they have the responsibility to do it you know like yeah, yeah. i our tagline is powering um your vision values and leadership because i i'm very passionate about the fact is there is no software that's a magic bullet yeah, to yeah. making you a successful company you know yeah. it's really well you know because you're mr culture and i it's, i write a lot about culture because it is i mean yeah um so it's all intertwined and I love it. So yeah, my hobbies are restoration. My jobs are restoration. It's all restoration, all restoration all the time. Well, you said iRestore software is not a silver bullet, but what is a silver bullet is be intentional. Oh, your book. Oh, that's the silver bullet. There you go. Billy uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I, I think it's cool. Uh, partnerships, you know, your husband, you said was uh, claims and construction background. So yeah. kind of the, the, the skilled trades part of it and your background was accounting. I think that's so important in, you know, because most people that are good at the trades don't really, you just don't develop that side, right? The business right. side, um, because yeah. you're so focused on this. Yeah. Um, so it's really important to recognize what you're good at and partner with people that can complement your skill sets, right? Absolutely. So, and I, I work with people every day with that. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, how, how have, has it worked for you all, especially, you know, the personal and professional relationship, but um, to maintain respect for each other's um, skill sets. And obviously over time, you said you've taken classes. It's important for the accountant to learn some of oh. the skills. Even if you're not efficient at it, you need to know right. it and vice right. versa. Well, and it became more so, I mean, you know, I've developed, you know, and way back in the day, it became, you know, process and just systems yeah. and the team. And my husband's not really, I mean, he's very little involved. Um, he started a whole nother thing. That's not restoration. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so I've been, I've been kind of doing my thing here. But, you know, over the years, um, yeah, you have those moments because there's a lot of husband and wife team. Are you a husband and wife team, John? No, sure if you're, okay. We are uh, not in the business. We're, we're okay. definitely a team, but not. Yes, in, of course. In, in yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. So, but there's a lot of uh, teams out there that are husband and wife. And, you know, my biggest thing is stay in your lane to yeah. some extent. And, you know, we grew to the point now, but you do got to stay in your lane. And um, uh, one of the things, and that's why I'm also passionate about iRestore is, and just process in general is because my being there early on, Ted was that guy who was really good at everything. And I can actually talk to people who are at that, I call it like the 10 person company, you yeah. know, because it's like, you, you can't leave, you yeah. know, you can't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and you don't try. And, and I go, you know, and he, it really breaks down. I was able he was good at everything. He's the best technician, the best estimator, the best everything, but you can't grow. You know, now right, we have, right, right. I think seven project, you know, seven estimators and a team of 80. And so it was about being able to observe and articulate what those expectations were. What, so I love talking to people like about that. I'm like, you're the best one. You're the right. You do it best. Why are you guys so good? Why is your company doing so well? Cause you do it really good. Right. Yeah. John, you were great with those customers. You made sure it was all swept up because it's your, you know, you're doing it. Well, now to grow, if that recipe's working, how yeah. do you communicate those expectations and engage the team and give yeah. them the tools to replicate it? And yeah. that's really, um, you know, how I think we were able to grow. So some people think, oh, I'm, I'm small. I don't this or that yet and i'm like now that's the time yeah. to do it yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't that, yeah. that that's the time to you know get operational flow down develop yeah. best practices and all those things yeah yep mm -hmm. that's awesome stay in your lane <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 i'm sure there's been periods of time over the years where that's been tested huh <laughs> yes of course we get, we're early people so like we joke because like we don't talk to each other and like they've done articles locally like about husband and wives and he's like, well, we stay in opposite ends of the building. We sync our Outlook calendars and we communicate yeah. via email. But, you know, we get up, we're both up 3, 4 a.m. We'll have our coffee and we're like mm. huddling up. Oh, yeah, if you're ever, I'm, I think I was up at 1.30 this morning, <laughs> but <laughs> um, we're early birds. So, What's but we do, a, strong we do like coffee. a morning, Yeah. <laughs> More, we're at morning huddle coffee and on our way you know wow. that's great so yeah. that's kind of your ritual is you guys mm -hmm. gonna wake up that's where the personal and then once coffee's over then the professional starts yeah but we both kind of do our own thing and yeah. you know well it's funny because at night we're i'm not a night person I'm a total morning person I, yeah. you know we're both like exhausted and we don't talk about work at night like we're not because we know we're both tired and we just went yeah you know full yeah. throttle all day so we know we you know you we've been married 26 years so you kind of get that feel down for after a while <laughs> have to have your boundaries yeah 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 so we have a good rhythm well okay so as we kind of want to be respectful of your time as we wrap up is there something recent something new that kind of grabbed your attention that's uh something that you've been chewing on and implementing for yourself you mean, well, I mean, my main baby right now that I'm like so excited about is the online um, learning institute to provide, because yeah. I really think, that, again, it's the biggest struggles, all the stuff we've been talking about, but it's the onboarding, the training, the development, it's, you know, from the technicals, and it's great because, like, we've been making content, and I'm just so excited to get it out there, so that's really what I've been doing major chewing on, because I think it could be 
uh, effective and efficient solution to yeah. some of our challenges in our industry. And um, it was funny because one of our project managers is walking out and he's like, nobody said, you know, everyone says nobody and it's not yeah, yeah, nobody, yeah. but it was like, yeah. everybody's setting their movers wrong. I, wait, 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 what do you mean? You know, well, I've been on a couple and they're not. And I go, well, because we had our air movement replacement uh, video done. And I said, would something like this be helpful? You know, and he's like, that's perfect. To me, those balls are perfect. I can only speak for myself. I don't want anyone touching the balls, blowing the balls. To me, those balls are perfect. Yeah. So I was like, I'll get it out to the team. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, because they're my guinea pigs anyway. So that's what I'm really excited about because I think it's just going to be a great tool for the industry. Well, even the new normal, right? Whatever, even yeah. as we figure things out or restrictions are lifted, it seems like that's virtual is probably not going away, right? You know. Yeah, and you know, this is more than virtual because it's more about like it's one thing if people you go to a class for four days. This is more about that whole process that's yeah. so daunting. Yep. And um, you know, you said, I, and I'm big on you know, it is great as people increase their value and gain skills, but. You know, a lot of times I get calls where people go, I just need, I need this person trained. And I, and so yeah. my first question, I go, trained in what? And they go, yeah, what yeah. do you mean? I said, well, I said, what, why did they want to do, like, are they geared towards, you know, contents? Are they geared towards yeah. water? Are they geared towards mold? Where are the gaps in your company? Yeah. That's, we got to start somewhere. You can't train them, somebody on everything. You just need them trained. Yeah. I know you can't do it. It's impossible. So this is nice. It's like five minute nuggets of things for people to work through. So. Yeah. 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 It'll be cool. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, like you said, you got to start somewhere and, and you got to be, go learn it, you know, you yeah. yeah. intentional. <laughs> Own yeah. It. So, well, Absolutely. thank you so much, Lisa. It's been, um, it's been a lot of fun um, yes. getting to know you, uh, you know, via emails and whatnot. And yeah. Then, um, oh, um, if we could do, do you still have a little bit of time? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, I, I want to, I, I'm, I've, I've set aside some time. I want to get to working on the, the culture book, the collaborative book. Mm -hmm. Um, so do you, your, the, the overarching theme of your chapter in culture is just the, the simple value of saying thank you. Right. Um, cause, uh, the big idea for the book is how do small things contribute positively or negatively to culture, what we call culture. So what's, um, what's kind of uh, the driver behind that concept, uh, your portion of it? Because I think I've had so many moments where um, somebody hasn't said thank you and I, mm. that that song that I referenced, the Barney yeah, song, yeah. Yep. <laughs> plays in my head and it's so annoying, but it does because I feel like for so many people, it's natural. Yeah. And um, when somebody, and it's not that you do things to expect a thank you, but right. there's certain moments that it's odd almost that somebody doesn't say thank you. Yeah. And so I really started thinking about it and observing how it makes people feel. And um, I mean, you know, it's not, literally always saying thank you but it's just little things of appreciation and you know yeah. i think people think oh um you know thank you means money it doesn't you know that's yeah. not what this is about it's about um just being a, appreciative of each other and polite yeah. human beings <laughs> i don't know what yeah. To, yeah. so it's not a nat it's not natural for everybody i know that that's what probably made me want to write that 
Well, I know we've, we've experimented too. Um, cause like, it, it's true. You're in those companies and they, they like, we have this new thing where if somebody does something great, they're, their tickets in the hat and then they'll get a big prize at the end of the quarter. And it's like, yeah, exactly like you're saying, why don't we just tell people thank you or, <laughs> or you know, like, yeah. you know, bring yeah. them water and uh, energy drinks or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, I don't know. Have you ever experimented with, we've done like when we have all staff meetings is have somebody, um, we go around the room and everybody, share something that you saw somebody else do this week that you thought was commendable that you're like, wow. Yes. Yes. Um, it's always really cool to hear what people come up with because, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it, and it, and, and you can see people's faces kind of light up, you know, and say, well, sweet. Absolutely. You. You I know. call it, I caught someone doing, yeah. I, yeah. I call it, I'm like, I actually have it on our, well, we haven't had an actual company meeting for a while because of gathering, but uh, it's on the agenda as I caught somebody because it's, it's yeah. really easy to catch somebody making a mistake, but we yes. have to remind ourselves. And as John Isaacin would say, be intentional uh, yeah. about about it is let's yeah. catch each other doing all the good stuff. Yeah. Because that's, and it helps keep things in perspective. It's so easy yeah. to get wrapped up and spiral into one negative thing or one bad thing and you miss all those wonderful things going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important, you know, you know, people in position of leadership, if you're the owner manager, you know, um, that trickles down, you know, so if you're saying thank you, people are like, oh, okay. Suddenly you start hearing more people saying it, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a positive yeah. peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. And it makes people feel good, you know, and it yep. is. But to, to the book's title, it is lots of little things. It's not yep. one little thing for sure. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, and you know, at the end of the day, it all has to be true, sincere. And yep. I think a couple articles I, I wrote because people talk about it all the time, like employee morale and all the different things you can do. And I believe in all that stuff. But, you know, because again, I notice I, I have an observation that kind of triggers me that if it's not based on a foundation of trust mm. and sincere, mm. you can have all the games and things and you can, you know, and I think I, um, I think I even gave that example in the one article is, you know, take somebody to lunch that um, doesn't trust you hmm. and <laughs> see what happens, see the yeah. impact of it. Or take somebody to lunch who knows it's a sincere gesture of appreciation. Yeah. Two totally different outcomes and can be the same lunch. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a big complex thing, <laughs> I yeah. guess. Yeah. But lots well, of I, little things for sure. I think you, you hit it. Like there's, there's, there's a difference between like, um, not trusting or speaking poorly of somebody when you're not face to face with them. And, and I noticed, we noticed that in our larger company is that uh, we haven't been having as many meetings like you talked about as we did mm -hmm. last year where we get the mm -hmm. whole team together. Yeah. And, and I uh, myself and another project manager were observing. It's like, it's harder. Like you may still have a difference with that person, but it's harder to, to, you know, go to real negative spots when you have, face-to-face -face interactions yeah you know more that's frequently. true too and yeah. so the zoom calls have helped you know having trying to have like weekly zoom calls because at least yeah. you're getting some kind of direct interaction you know and yeah so you get a better feel for people it's harder to dismiss them or read them wrong because that's the other part is like mm -hmm. especially yeah. in emails and things you can take it the wrong way 
yeah. you know, whereas you're not picking up on the cues. But those Zoom calls yeah. or those meetings, you get a better idea of how people respond. It creates context for those later interactions. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it is. I mean, that's a challenge of today's world is yeah. Over, yeah. to overcome for sure. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Lisa. And, thank you, John. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to do it again sometime. And okay. With, uh, Everybody can check out the article next yep. week. There you go. <laughs> Right. Oh, when 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 is your so restoring success what time oh, it's the first friday of every month so i have to get it in by wednesday so we have gotcha. to be in by wednesday but okay yeah, we'll be Very good, good. <laughs> all right Thanks, john good thank you Lisa. Bye. bye bye boom that's a friggin wrap on episode 36 of the Dojo Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. The infotainment podcast for the skilled trades. We are helping you shorten your dang learning curve. And the Lisa Lavender, if you didn't learn something from her, then your learning machine is broken and you need to get it fixed. Uh, mentioned Elon Posmatic with Born to Repair out of San Diego. Give him a call. He might be able to fix your broken learner. Uh, he fixes darn near everything else. So give him a call. Um, he's most active on Instagram, at Born to Repair. Um, pretty funny. Uh, he writes poems. And he is going to be contributing to a poem. So Lisa and I mentioned a collaborative book we're working on. If you go to thediojo.com forward slash book two, the number two, we have been working on for some time a collaborative work on culture, how um, big and small things contribute to either enhancing your culture or undermining it. And I read about it in a book. <laughs> this is a book on culture. It'll We're hoping to drop early 2021. Authors include Lisa Lavender, Andrew McCabe, Jeremy Watkins, David Princeton, Luke Drager, John Isaacson, and as I mentioned, Elon Posmonic uh, contributing a poem. We've got a few more that may be assisting with um, some chapters and then a, a bunch of people I reached out to with just little quips. And so um, hoping that will be a real valuable tool for those in a position of leadership. So talking about tools to help you shorten your dang learning curve, for those in a position of leadership, inspiring your team, inspiring yourself, inspiring everybody, um, Lisa Lavender, Restoring Success, and John Isaacson, The Intentional Restorer, collaborated for nothing scarier than Scope Creep. That is available now with Restoration and Remediation Magazine. You can read that, randrmagonline.com, Restoring Success, and then mine dropped as well as to therefore as well goldilocks the adjuster and the three estimator bears where we talk about pushover bear pragmatist bear and pertinacious bear so um you know if you're in in that conversation i had with eric sprague and larry wilberton on blue collar nation we talk about how they lost quite a bit of money with pushover bear and so um, maybe some ways to help push over bear, become more of a pragmatist bear, um, you know, and just more, it's more about defining your strategy to insurance claims estimating as opposed to saying, you know, one or the other is better. 
So got that coming. Um, got an episode. Episodes coming up. We've got Andy McCabe. Um, I've got a couple other conversations that have been in the pipeline that we keep having to reschedule. So thankfully, um, our friends are very kind and patient with us. And so looking forward to more conversations coming down the pipeline. Thank you for listening to the Dojo Podcast, the infotainment podcast for the skilled trades. Sponsored by Be Intentional Estimating, written by John Isaacson. Developing the right mindset and habits for yourself and your team to succeed with estimating property insurance claims. It's available on Kindle, paperback, and like I said, contact the Diojo for bulk discount. Bulk discount, ordering bulk in bulk and getting a discount, whatever. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard.